welcome back, pool fans from across the country and around the world. And happy holidays to you from American Billiard Radio. Today is December the 18th, 2014, and my name is Santa Claus. I'll be your host once again this week. You better get that Christmas shopping done. You know, there's only seven days left, guys, okay? So if you're looking for a gift suggestion for me, I haven't gotten a new cue this year. So uh, I like traditional points, maybe an old Rambo or a Hersek or something. By the way, today is Joel Hersek's birthday. Uh, happy birthday, Joel. You guys, uh, you guys. Joel does an outstanding job. Uh, building cues. If you've never had a chance to hold one or use one, I highly recommend it. So uh, yeah, happy birthday to you, Joel. Keep up the good work, buddy. Um, what else is going on? You know, uh, we just got over the Moscone Cup. Ah, jeez, that was you know, eh. It was a bit of a letdown. You know, things could have gone better. But you know, I think some interesting things are going to be in the works for next year. For one, you know. The European coach, uh, Johan, is retired, at least from that job anyway. Uh, so Europe is going to be getting a new coach in 2015. Um, this will no doubt have at least a small effect, if not uh, you know, a larger effect, on the team, uh, uh, the Euro team. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. And, of course, I think it's still a little bit up in the air whether or not we're going to have uh, Wilson, Mark Wilson, with us. I expect that he is going to return, but I have not received official word from Matchroom yet. Um, but I also, given that he may be here with us again this year, I do expect there's going to be some uh, shuffling of the team members, too. So it'll be interesting to see how this all turns out. Um, speaking of Moscone... You, did you know, here's a little Moscone trivia for you. Uh, it was in December of 1933, right about this time of the year. Actually, it was a little bit earlier in the month. Uh, it, but it was in December, the beginning of December, when they were actually playing the Moscone Cup now. In 1933, that's actually when Moscone, Willie Moscone, made his first world championship appearance. And I want to say it was December the 4th, 1933. The interesting thing about that match is that uh, he, uh, Willie was a newcomer. He was fairly young. Um, and he, early on in the, and it was a 10-player round robin, early on in the, in the, uh, the progress of the, of, the, uh, of the tournament, Willie lost a match to Erwin Rudolph, by one ball and didn't seem like a big deal at the time but later on as the match progressed it turned out that there was a four-way tie for second place Willie Moscone was four-way tied and had he made that one ball that he lost against Erwin Rudolph he would have actually won the whole thing uh, so it just goes to show you one ball can make a huge difference in the long run. And also, interestingly enough, in the middle of that tournament, which lasted, uh, it was about three weeks, I believe it was, um, prohibition was repealed the day after the tournament started. The, the tournament started on December 4th. Prohibition was repealed on the 5th. 
So you had to imagine that uh, all the celebrating and hoo-ha because of the prohibition repeal probably was pretty distracting, uh, to say the least. And of course, Greenleaf was there, and everybody knows that he was a little bit of a lush. So I'm guessing he was probably celebrating too, you know, along with some of the other gentlemen. But I digress. Um, the news is uh, Reyes wins the singles title. Uh, the winner, the winner of the doubles. Yeah, I'm not even going to go into that. There was a big stink having to do with that match, though, because of the calling of the ten ball uh, during a winning shot. Mm, I got mixed feelings about it, so I'm just going to let that lie. Uh, Jasmine takes the, the title in the Euro Tour. And speaking of women, women's pool, the uh, international championship, the women's international championship in New York, uh, hosted by Dragons Promotion, is currently underway. And, you know, they had a rough go at trying to get this event up and running uh, due to some marketing issues. But uh, fortunately for the girls, the tournament is underway um korea has some strong players uh kim you know holy moly she's probably going to take it all however vivian villarreal is still undefeated as of today so go vivian like to see you take that anyway best of luck to all the ladies it is available for pay-per-view uh on dragon promotions website so if you want to go there and check into that it ought to be a lot of fun and uh, today we're going to be hearing from uh, one of the nation's most accomplished players, Mr. Johnny Archer. Uh, Mark Cantrell and him are going to talk a little bit about Johnny's feelings uh, as regards to the Moscone Cup and how that all went down. Uh, you know, he has a unique pr perspective. He's played in the Cup many times. And, uh, you know, it, the way that things are going, you know, Maybe we should have him be the coach. Ah, no, I'm just teasing. But we're going to be right back with Mark and Johnny right after your Go Play Pool Spotlight Room of the Week. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Go Play Pool app featured room here on American Billiard Radio. Uh, this week, I've got a special guest on the phone with me. Uh, she's one of the legendary ladies of pool and she is also the house pro at brownstone billiards or oceans eight in brooklyn new york miss billy billing how are you doing today i'm um, i'm just doing great marianne and thank you so much for inviting me to your show thank you for uh taking time out of your day to, to get on the phone with me it's a it's definitely a pleasure to uh to have you be a part of the show and get to learn a little bit more about the room why don't you give us a little bit of a history on, on the Brownstone Billiards and, and how you're involved? Well, um, I guess I can start with that I, I live in Park Slope, which is a really terrific, beautiful area of Brooklyn, New York. And I heard about a new pool room that was opening up in the neighborhood. So I, uh, I went over to check it out. And it's um, I guess the first thing that struck me is that it's not really a serious pool player room. Uh -huh. that it's more pointed towards uh, the families and I would say recreational players. Mm -hmm. They had um, 
arcade games and basketball shoots and things of that sort. But uh, it was a very friendly place, very nice. And I guess the first thing that happened to me was somebody asked me to play. So Mm -hmm. I said, great, you know. And um, what struck me was uh, we started the game, and all of a sudden people started coming over and sitting down by the table. Uh-huh. And I would say that at least maybe 30 people gathered around the table. And I was a little shocked. I mean, I, I'm just thinking that I'm playing a game. Just a simple, uh, you know, a straight, I, I'm, you know, my background is I'm a straight pool player. So, uh-huh. um, and uh, so it made me nervous to have all yeah. people looking at me, you know. And, uh and so, you know, the game went back and forth a little bit, and then the guy pulled ahead of me. We were going to 100, and at 98, he missed. So, uh, you know, I have, like I said, a, a, a large group of people looking at me, and I just said, I can't lose. I, I'm too embarrassed, you know. So um, I ran 36 and out on him, and uh, nice. and so it was like, you know, I guess everybody was shocked. I, I wasn't really shocked. <laughs> I have to tell you that um, I was actually in my prime. Um, I was running uh, 50s and 60s pretty regularly, so to run 36 was, you know, right around my speed. Uh And uh, afterwards, uh, a gentleman approached me, and his name was Frank, and, you know, he he asked me a little bit about who I was, and uh, we got to talking, and, you know, I told him I was on the professional tour at that time. This was, well, this was 25 years ago, so. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and um, and then he told me, well, you know, you just played the best player in the house. Uh-huh. Said, really? <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't know beforehand, you know. Right? I, I been nervous. <laughs> So, um, so that was my introduction to brownstone. So, nice. um, and then right away he asked me, he said, "Well, I'm looking for, um, you know, a house pro, and I'd love to have a woman house pro," which, of course, that that really, um, you know, came to my heart because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I love women's pocket billiards, that side of the sport, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so I I said, "Well, I would love to be your house pro," and. That's awesome. um, yeah, so so that's that's basically what happened. And here you are, twenty five um, years later. That's awesome. Yes, here I am, twenty five <laughs> years later. You know, that's and great. we've done some really great things in the room. We used to have a um, large group class, and the way we advertised it was that if an adult comes with a child, so I had nine year olds in the class, up uh-huh. until seventeen, uh, the child uh, came into the class for free, and. Um, the adult had to pay, mm-hmm. and uh, if you attend the entire class, it was $10. If you come to the six classes, you uh, get an hour's worth of free table time, which was, uh, which was $10. So nice. You, yeah, it was basically it was a free class. So I had over 5,000 people run through that class in 25 wow. years. Wow. So that That's was, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and that, I mean, I have people come up to me, like this one guy came up to me, and he was like about six foot five, mm-hmm. and he's like, Miss Billy? And I'm like, yes. And he said, you know, my moms and I took your class when I was only 12. 
You know? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and, he, and he's still coming to Brownstone Billiards, so I'm very proud that's of that. Great. You know? That's great. That's great. That's that's great that you guys are, you know, you're involving the youth. That's great. And the fact that you're still playing is really great. Um, uh-huh. They decided to um, add a, a full bar and a restaurant to mm-hmm. the room. And uh, that's when the um, the name Ocean's 8 came attached to Brownstone Billiards. So gotcha. it's actually uh, Brownstone Billiards at Ocean's 8. Gotcha. So, um, but the, the restaurant and bar are definitely part of the room. Mm-hmm. And um, it did make changes to the type of clientele. We still have plenty of children, mm-hmm. and but we still draw a very recreational type player to the room. Right. And uh, so we have um, what well, I guess you would say um, bar food, you know, uh-huh. a typical pub type meals, mostly fried, um, yeah. but very good food. Uh, our chef is named Geraldo, and he's really terrific, and he takes a lot of pride in his cooking. His French fries are to die for. <laughs> uh, I don't know what he does with them, but they're, they're the best French fries in the world. Yes. <laughs> you know. And, uh, we, you know, our staff is just really very friendly, very capable, and they're all hardworking, and they're very eager to, to please their customers. That's great. So uh, what's your what's your favorite thing to eat in there besides well, the French fries? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'm a hamburger and French fry person when I'm there. Um, awesome. Sometimes I have a salad, which is great, yeah. you know. <laughs> so uh, so I know you say it's rec- mostly recreational players, but do you just have any tournaments or anything? Leagues we do or? have, yeah, we do have an APA league, mm-hmm. and um, that's on Tuesday nights. And that's been running for a number of years. I would say um, maybe eight or nine years that we've had mm-hmm. that, that league in there. The, the different people change, you know, they right. come and go. Um, yeah. But that's basically the only type of organized pocket billiards that we that we do is the APA League. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach there four days a week, and we have tons of parties. Um, we it's really a party place. We have uh-huh. uh, birthdays. Bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, bar mitzvahs, anniversaries. We have uh, a church group that's been coming there regularly for years and years. Uh-huh. And in the summertime, uh, especially on uh, rainy days, we have a lot of uh, camps, kids' camps. And uh, the kids love it. You know, they come in there, they have uh-huh. air hockey. We have uh, a mini bowling alley, which I personally don't like because <laughs> it's yeah. crazy, but. But the kids love it, Uh, and we have ping pong, and uh, we still have the basketball shoot, which is uh, really a big favorite of people. Mm -hmm. We have some arcade games. Definitely, I would say that is the tone that is brownstone billiards. Right. Well, that's that's great that it's, you know, keeping it light and, and giving kids a place to go and, you know, do something that's going to keep them out of trouble, number one. And, right. And and to have to have you in there, you know, as a teacher, that's that's awesome. Is um uh, is it strictly bar tables, or do you guys have nine footers in there at all? Well, actually, um, the room has uh, twenty eight nine footers. Wow. And, uh, yes, and we have two uh, seven foot bar tables, but they're not um, they're not coin operated. 
They oh, okay. are uh yeah, they're not they're not coin operated. They're, mm-hmm. they're you know, you rent them just like you would any other table. Gotcha. And yeah, so we do have an area where we have maybe six tables that are designated for the quote quote serious uh pool players where we try mm-hmm. to keep um the recreational players into uh a different area mm-hmm. so that if some serious players come in, they do have some tables that uh, are kept a little differently. They have mm-hmm. Simona's cloth on them. We do have some very serious players in the in the mm-hmm. room that live in the neighborhood that mm-hmm. come by, and those tables are reserved for them. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's out, that's, it has to be huge, huh? Huge building. 10,000 square feet. Craziness. In New York, you know, you take the subway and yeah. the... Um, the Q and the B trains, that's B for Bravo, are right beneath us. And when you come out of the steps of the of the subway, you're literally at the door of Brownstone Billiards. Oh, wow. And there's, uh, yeah, and there's uh, the buses that come up Flatbush Avenue and the 7th Avenue bus are right there on the corner. So it's very accessible to people awesome. who would like to come and visit us. Yeah, I would get lost. I get lost in my own backyard, so. I don't even have a backyard. <laughs> yeah, well, you have a GPS on your phone, Mary. Right? <laughs> I still, I, I'm, I'm the U-turn champion of the world. That's what I, that's what I do. I, I make U-turns everywhere I go. <laughs> oh, I passed it. Well, <laughs> interestingly yeah. enough, one of the reasons why I think I was drawn to pocket billiards is because I have a very good sense of direction. And uh, when I started to figure out that the game involved a lot of pattern play, mm-hmm. where you shoot from ball to ball and you see a path, mm-hmm. um, and I'm fantastic at directions. Like I, when I was 10, my family went someplace and uh, to visit an uncle who had bought a new home. And uh-huh. the following year, we were driving to my uncle's house and my father, I told him, I said, you missed the turn. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, no, that's no, no, I didn't. And I said, no, Dad, I'm telling you, you just missed the turn. And so after getting lost for about maybe uh, half an hour, uh, my mother turned around to me and she said, can you get us back there? And I said, sure. <laughs> I took us right to my uncle's front door. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Dad, listen, huh? <laughs> Yeah, he learned that's his lesson. Funny. <laughs> that is funny. Oh, uh, that's great. So, uh, how do people get in touch with you to maybe get a lesson or whatever? Do they just call the room or? Uh, well, actually, I have a website. It's mm-hmm. BillyBilliards.com. My classes are well organized, and you know, I must be doing something right. I have right? a large <laughs> clientele, so. That's great. That's great. All right. Well, uh, yeah. If you're in the if you're in the Brooklyn area, or you're planning on traveling, make sure that uh, you get in touch with the guy with everybody down at Brownstone Billiards and or Ocean's Eight, and uh, yeah, go go and uh, take a lesson from a legend. <laughs> and uh, we we are yeah we are uh, we're gonna put up a limited profile for. Uh, Brownstone Billiards at Ocean's 8, and uh, that'll be on the Go Play Pool app, so you can check that out and get in touch with them. Well, thank Billy. you very much for, for spotlighting us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, it's a pleasure to uh, to get to talk to you and 
and have you on the show for sure. So uh, I appreciate your time, and thank you, everybody, for joining us for another Go Play Pool app featured room here on American Billiard Radio. Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. This is the Legends and Champions Report. This is Mark Cantrell, your host. And this is brought to you by Neil's Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona. And I think this is the last show that we'll be doing before Christmas time. And so I guess this is a Christmas show. I'm sure Dave Bond can put some jingle bells or something, the sound effects there. Um... This is also going to be the last show that I do on the Moscone Cup, or briefly on the Moscone Cup, uh, until next year when we start ramping back up again. And we've got, my guest, I've got Johnny Archer. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm doing just fine. And I thought it was apt to bring Johnny on, on, on this call because he's got so much experience in, with the Moscone Cup and has as good of an idea of how things were going in England for the Moscone Cup. Uh, I have to be thankful. Here's something that everybody, not everybody knows about Johnny Archer. I had to hold this interview up while he watched uh, the rest of the Useless uh, show on TV. Is that what you that's, were watching? That's, that's just not the name of it. If you're going to say it right, The Young and the Restless, we know everybody loves The Young and the Restless. All guys should watch it. <laughs> so this is this is something you didn't know about Johnny Archer. If you want to know something the inside of pool players' minds, they watch the what, the Young and the Restless. The Young and the Restless. That's Victor Newman. He's awesome. Oh my goodness! I tell you. Well, I appreciate you taking time out from the uh, rest of the useless to talk to us. Uh, I'm going to get on to the serious stuff. Uh, you. Well, obviously, we talk a lot, and obviously, you, you were disappointed with the. We, we get this part out of the way just so everybody's clear on you know your stance on things. Uh, obviously, you were disappointed that after eighteen years you weren't picked to be part of the Moscone Cup for two thousand fourteen. Yes, well, it wasn't so much I was disappointed. I was disappointed and and not having a chance to get on. That's what more I was disappointed on, yes. But, yes, I was disappointed not being there, yes. But however, and, and again, this is based on our conversations and knowing you, it's no, it's no secret that we're, uh, we're friends and we, we talk. Um, even though you hadn't been picked, it obviously would be hurtful or disappointing, however you want to put it, not to be on the team again. But in everything you've said to me about the Moscone Cup for 2014 has been positive. 
you've not, other than saying, you know, well, I wish I'd have been on the team, everything else you've said about Team USA has been positive. And Mike Hallerton brought that up uh, in a show that we did a couple weeks ago, uh, saying how surprised he was, how positive and supportive you were of the team. Well, I mean, you know, bottom line, I'm I'm American, and uh, you know, I whatever America plays in, whether it be billiards or or a Moscone Cup or Ryder Cup or no matter what, uh, I'm going to always be behind America, and you know, and it, and of course, the Moscone Cup has a big place in my heart. Uh, you know, I've been a big part of it for for a good part of my life, and so. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be you know there secretly rooting for America. You know, as well, not really that secret, I guess. Um, you know, I'm gonna be there, you know, rooting hard, no matter whether I'm playing or a fan or a coach or a commentator or just sitting at home, you know, watching it myself. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be rooting. Yeah, it just surprised people. I, I think it surprised some people that uh, you you would be so outspoken and vocal. I, and uh, again, I, I keep saying the same thing. It sounds like a broken record a little bit, but it'd be really easy to have a bad taste in your mouth if you thought, well, I really think I should be back on the team. Or, I mean, we, we talked about this before, before the Moscone Cup started, and you said, again, it was nothing but positive, the changes needed and, and things like that uh, with the team. Do you do you still feel the same way? How do you, how do you feel about how things went there in in Blackpool? Well, bottom line is, um, I agree one hundred percent with changes needed to be made. Now, my opinion, I thought that it was they were a little drastic, but um, I think changes needed to be made. You know, I mean, look at our record. You know, in the last eight years. Or whatever the case is, you know we're we're well behind. I mean, Europeans have, have caught up with us and lapped us like it wasn't nothing. In the '90s, we were doing the same thing to them. But you know, changes needed to be made. Um, I I understand that that theory 100. Um, percent You know, it they they went whole you know all out to try to do it, and you know changes were made. You know, brought on Mark Wilson. Uh, my my hat goes off to him. Uh, just because I know how hard it was. You know, he was catching a lot of heat. Uh, a lot of pressure was put on him, you know, uh, to try to perform and to try to, you know, hey, okay, you're our magic our magic wand here. Okay, wave it and get this done. And, you know, it's just not that easy. And by far, it's almost it's almost impossible to, for him to change it around in one year, in my opinion. Um, I've seen some positive things, but... You know, then again, bottom line, you know, he was put into a uh, kind of a a very very tough position, and uh, you know, he handled it he handled it with with grace, and and I thought he he done as well as anybody could have, you know, in my opinion. But you know, it's still a lot of work to be done. You know, got to go back to the drawing board and and hey, what can what did we learn from this? You know, what can we do different? You know, uh, and and just kind of take it from there and and just try to like he said, you know, you got to try to build from it. What, what do you think would have to be done? Is there anything that we can do that's different? Re- realistically, with the team, the, the Europeans have just become so dominant. What, what, let me ask you this first. Mm-hmm. What do you think happens 
at the Moscone Cup? Because the first two days was close. From your experience, did you see anything where the tide turned or um, th there was a place where something different could have happened that didn't, that could have been prevented? Well, I mean, the one the one thing I've said, and I've said this for years, uh, you know, myself, about the Moscone Cup and, and about the event, is we, the, we, when I say we, I mean America, okay? Uh, when we play, we really, we don't have the luxury, I'll say, of making mistakes at the end of a match, okay? When I say that again, I, I mean... We cannot give away a match. We don't have that luxury. Okay, our you know, it just seems like uh, Europe. You know, they have they have a little bit of that luxury. They can they you know they they come they can come from behind a little bit better, my opinion. Um, they're a little stronger from one to five. And I'm not. I hope everybody don't think I'm down in America. That's not what I'm doing. But I think from one to five, Europe is stronger. From from one all the way to number five, um, I think you know we have to learn how to build our one to five a little bit better. Okay, so if we get to the in, into into the event and we have a chance to win a match, we have to take advantage of that. Okay, that's going to come back on us if we don't. Okay, so we like I said, we don't have that luxury, and that's what I've seen uh, this year with the American team. You know they. They did. They they kind of gave away a couple matches uh, that they shouldn't have. Okay, that that you know they should have won. So what happened toward the end of the event is it caught up with them. Okay, if they had a change in matches around, you know, and instead of being down two points on the first day, on the first two days, no there, no reason why America couldn't have been ahead by two points on the first two days. Okay, well, that, that showed up at, toward the end. And so, you know, the Moscone Cup's a different breed. You, you, you know, it takes a special player to, you know, to go there and be able to handle everything and still play well. Okay, it, it's very difficult to do. Uh, it's a lot of hit, a lot of pressure, and it's, and it's more pressure every year, I think, on America because we've lost it so much. And everybody's looking at, you know, hey, you know, when you guys going to win? Hey, it's time for y'all to win. So it's, it's tough. Now, you know, I'm not saying, you know, cry, cry tears for us. That ain't what I mean. You know, we're very fortunate to, to be able to have that chance, you know, no matter who's on the team. So, you know, it, it just take, it, it takes a lot. It's going to take, you know, I, I like the, the idea of team building. I think we, we really have to have that. I don't know what the special formula is for doing it. You know, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, you try things and, and see what works. Um, you know, but the team building, what Mark had the idea to do, uh, is very, very important. Okay, that's very important. But then again, you still have to have guys with egos. Okay, now, I know that's going to sound wrong. But, well, no, we don't need an ego there. You need somebody with an, to play. You need players with an ego because when they go out there, all they really want to do is win. They don't care, you know, at the moment, you can't have a player to, to be okay with losing. You can't have that. Not when he's out there ready to play. Now, I'm not saying taking it overboard, you know, and being mean and being, you know, being, being a butthole. That ain't what I mean. So I, I think you, you have to have that, that certain 
part to say, you know what, I'm the best, I'm going to win this no matter what it takes, you know, uh, short of cheating, no, 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 none of that. So, uh, you know, so you have to have that mixture, and that's something I've seen uh, with Europe, and my hat goes off to Johan. Uh, for the, he came in, and for the years that he's come in, he has really made a big difference. And uh, you know his, you know his idea is to motivate a player to play. Because I've had some some uh, talks with him, and he said his job is to come in and at the time that the player's playing is to raise his level of play as high as it can actually go at the moment. And now he's dealing with all kind of different, you know, uh, nationalities. So they don't all speak the same language. So it's more difficult for him. But, you know, he, you know, knows how to do that. That's his job. And you, you, raise, the, you raise the level of play at the player at the moment. And, I mean, uh, how he does that, boy, he can bottle that up. That's pretty cool. But, um, you know, that's that's kind of my extended version on that. Yeah, I don't know if you answered the question. I probably did. <laughs> I probably didn't. I probably went off on a rant. What, what do you think, where was the turning point, in your opinion? Day one, it was, uh, was it three, what, what did they go to? It was 3-2 uh, Europe after day one. It was what? It was 3-2 to two Europe after day one. Okay, and it was 3-2 Europe day two. So it's 6-4. Right. So there are only two games behind in going into day three. Right. What do you think, basically, and I know you, you can't speak for the players. Sure. But what, what is, uh, do you see, is, is, it, is it the crowd? Because they did okay the first two days, and the crowd is right. as boisterous as they're going to get, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, did you, you see something there that went wrong, or was it just full nine ball being nine ball? Well, bottom line is, you know, uh, bottom line is the the most important match of the event was the first match of the third day. That was the most important match for both teams, no matter what. Uh, America could have went down the night before seven to three. Okay, Shane made a great shot and came down. They won that match, and then they were down 6-4 going into the next day, to the third day. So they by far were still in it uh, no matter what. Okay, Europe lost a big one, you know, that night. They lost a big one uh, because they had a lot of momentum. Are you talking about the doubles match? That was a doubles match with Shane. When Shane won, when Shane, and uh, I think he was playing uh, Corey, with Corey, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm wrong, but I think he was playing with Corey, and they end up winning. Uh, and, and Darren, who was one of the hot players, uh, he was playing with Mark Gray. I, I just remember because uh, Darren snookered Mark Gray there. And so uh, when they won that match, they had to, they they went into the next day with all the momentum. Okay, they took it back from from Europe. And so when they when America lost the very next match. The first, day, the third day, um, that was a big hit to them, very, very big hit. And uh, you know, if they could have won that match, now they're only down a point, and they have they have two matches in a row. Uh, so it, it was, and then it was a big match for Europe because if they lose, now all of a sudden they're they're kind of 
kind of in a, in a ball game there. But instead, they went up by three points. So that, by far, was the biggest turning point of the whole event, the uh, first match of the third day. Well, it was, yeah, it was, it was interesting to watch. It seemed like, and I said this to Mark Wilson uh, in an interview, I, I think it was last week, mm-hmm. that it didn't really look like the, the squad maybe didn't tell the whole story. Okay. But right. my my but my also my um, surprise was that uh, again that broken record the doubles match with the two Justins against Niels and Mark Gray who the European champion and the current world nine ball champion. Sure. And I had the two Justins down as being the least experienced, and that was my biggest concern. And it turns out, I think on record. They ended up with a better record than John Schmidt, U.S. Open champion, being a pro for many years. Corey Dool, U.S. Open champion, pro for many years, and Shane Van Boning, arguably the the best player in the United States. So, does that throw my theory out the window that the two Justins, you know, who've never been in anything close to what that was? You, I, I don't believe. You've been in that situation, the same situation that was in Blackpool, because it's a different arena, different acoustics, louder, uh, and everything else. I don't think anybody's experienced anything like that. You no, think that no, played no, a part? none of us ever experienced that. No, that's right. Do you think he was uh, a, a part of the whole puzzle, the crowd? Because John Schmidt, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm talking over you. I get in trouble for this. Um, no. The... Um, like John Schmidt, he's got plenty of experience. Should, shouldn't that have been, or Corey should not? Should they have been combated by that? Should they not be okay and know what they're doing in that situation? Well, um, in John's John's defense, Corey's had more experience in the Moscone Cup. Corey's played in I think five or six, or, or uh, I may be off a little bit on that number, but. Um, Corey, Corey's had more experience than John uh, by far. Uh, John's only played in one, and he played over over in London, I believe, or somewhere over in there, I believe. Uh, it might have been York Hall, I think we might have played. But uh, but anyway, John, you know, had, had on, and that's been many years ago since John played. So his experience probably wiped out a little bit. But with that being said, yes, definitely he has more experience than than the two Justins uh, by far. Um, you know, I, I lobbied a good bit early in the year for Justin Hall to be on the team when his name came out and because of his demeanor. You know, I thought of his personality, his type game, uh, the way he is. I thought he would be able to handle the pressure a little better than some of the other new guys, That, that my opinion. Um, and, you know, he, 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 I think he, he uh, played better than anybody on the team uh, this year. Uh, overall, uh, then Justin Bergman had a couple tough losses, uh, but played you know played well a couple times too in one. So you know, yes, John John I think uh, didn't quite have the experience. I was surprised by I was probably more surprised by Corey's play. I I thought Corey didn't play too well. Uh, my opinion, um, he my opinion he should have played better. Which you know it, that can happen to anybody. Uh, you get over in that event, you know it's just not easy. It's not easy at all. I mean, look at Shane's record. 
You know, Shane played, uh, I think it was six or seven times. He won he, he won one match, I believe. Uh, so it's very difficult uh, to get out there and play. But, you know, you're asked to do that, you know, no matter what. And that's, you know, you have to take ownership uh, if you don't, or you take ownership if you do. Right. Well, here's another thing that I've uh, been told. I spoke briefly with you about it, but not too much. Um, but other players have told me, you, uh, you called before they went to Blackpool. Did you call all the players that were on the team? Um, I just I, I just kind of sent them messages here and there. You know, um, you know I've, I just, uh, you know, I offered any help that, that I could. Um, you know, if they had any questions at all about anything, you know, I'd love to talk with them. Uh, but, you know, Mark had had a handle, you know, and everything. Um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to see them win. I'm, uh, no matter what, if I, you know, I wasn't there, I was just, you know, it was just a, that's the way it was. So, uh, you know, yeah, I'd love to see America go over there and kick Europe's tail. That would have been great. I think it'd have been great for American pool, and and you know, and I'd have loved to see us uh, on the map there. Yeah, well, it, you know, it was the result that anybody uh, on the U.S. side of things wanted, and uh, you know, it, it, I guess it is what it is. I, from what I hear, and you know, I hear a lot of things, but you know, I, I I've got to take half of it into consideration as to how true some of it is. Right. But they are going to be doing things a little bit differently, I hear, this time. Uh, again, I don't know it, how true that is. If they, I, I, I mean, as far as picking the team or eight people ahead of time, Mark Wilson said it's not going to work the same way. He said it himself. Right. And so I'm not sure. I think they might be going to go to, instead of picking the team ahead of time, going to, let's see how people perform throughout the year. And it would be uh, nice to hear if Mark Wilson has a criteria. You know, we know he has the criteria of sportsmanship and professionalism. Right. Uh, but what are the other criteria? Uh, that would be something that would be uh, interesting to find out, you know, uh, to for anybody out there, maybe including yourself, but for any other player out there saying, what do I need to do to get on this team next year? Is there something I can do kind of thing, you know? Yes, that's that's right. And I, I think, uh, you know, leaving it up to, you know, performance, I think it's a great idea. I think he has to be a little careful because there's not that many events. So, you know, not not exactly. Having a points, having a points list, you know, to me uh, – if you only have two or three events you're going by, I don't think that's – I wouldn't think that's the best idea. But, you know, like I said, I'm not the one doing it. But, um, you know, but definitely seeing who who's playing the better. Get Keep staying on top of it. I mean, that's something, you know, Mark's got a, Mark's got a job ahead of him. You know, he's got a, he's got a really job to be watching who's, who's playing what, talking with everybody. You know, I'm sure he consults with uh, other people. So, well, uh, we, don't, we, we, don't, we don't know the Mark's the coach again. Popular, okay, well, popular opinion. Popular opinion says that it's a done deal. That's okay. why. The, that just the word. Of, yeah, I, the, I guess I'm jumping the gun too. I'm jumping the gun. Yeah, that's the, right. Um, the word on the street. 
but whether it's actually the case or not, I guess we will uh, find out, Matchroom or whoever are going to put their um, press releases out, etc. Right, uh, right. But yeah, they, they've uh, you know they've, they've had a, a, a tough go of it. They've tried something different, and we'll see what the changes are. Like I said, there are some changes apparently that are going to be made. Right. The, the team may not be uh, again uh, even close to being complete uh, by the U.S. Open. Right. You got, you got to see how everybody does. Um, so. I'll, I'll just move on off, off of the Moscone Cup stuff. Okay. And what was what's up next year? Now I'm not talking about the Moscone Cup. I'm talking about just next year in general. Is there, a, a, you know, you keep your eye out on tournaments and where you're going to be, what you're going to do. Is do you have a game plan for next year? Well, you know, I never really have a game plan. I kind of, uh, I always myself just kind of. What's coming along? You know, I try to plan for it. I, my, I definitely am going to play more this coming year myself. Um, I didn't play as much this year and the year before as I should have. Um, but I'm going to play more this coming year. Uh, I got a pretty full slate January. Uh, I'll be playing in Turning Stone. Uh, then I go to Florida and do a, do a nice exhibition with Nick Barner. And then I'm a little debating on, uh, on the Derby City or uh, the China Chinese Eight Ball, so um, I'm kind of in between with that. So I don't know yet which one I'm going to go to yet, but uh, is, definitely one of them. Is the, is the Chinese Eight Ball um, is that an invitational or is it an open? It's an invitational. I I, I got my invite here a little while ago. Um, Few other players got their invite too. I think. Uh, I think Oscar Oscar Dominguez is going. I've been in, on talks with uh, with Dennis Hatch the last couple of days. He said he got an invite, so he's debating. Uh, so I'm just kind of just kind of right now. I got to I think to, to the end of the year uh, to the 31st. I think to make my decision. So I want to kind of see what kind of form. I know uh, I need to get in a little better shape. Uh, Older and getting a little more belly on me, so I got to get rid of that. Um, so uh, I get in a little better shape um, and try to give it a good go this year. What's your uh, What's your opinion? Which we and we have spoke about this, so I can't know the answer. But Chinese eight ball is a different. I say it's a different animal. I want to say it's a different animal. It, it's it's the same. Concept as American eight ball, the mm-hmm. tables that just don't allow you to do the same things. Um, right. what, what's your thoughts on Chinese eight ball in general? I mean, what's the price one's what hundred by hundred thousand or something first place? Hundred thousand, uh, right at ninety seven thousand, I think first place. Yeah, so um, you know, Chinese. Uh, the, from what I understand, it's it's. Uh, I've watched a little bit on YouTube. I played it here a couple of years ago when I was over there doing some stuff in China. Uh, I played a little bit of it. But um, it's just regular eight ball. I play with pool balls on a nine-foot table, but they have snooker pockets. The uh, the table does. So it's, uh, it's you know, definitely changes the game around. You know, there's a lot of shots you can't shoot down the rail, you know. Uh, so there's all kind of different ways you can play it. You can play it very defensive. Uh, you can try to be a little offensive, but be careful. Uh, straight shooters, anybody shooting straight definitely is still going to have an advantage no matter what. 
uh, they can make shots that other people can, I guess. But, um, you know, it's interesting. You know, it might be a game kind of for me, I believe, because, um, you know, I enjoy the defensive part of the game, too. Yeah, and then from our chat, I, uh, my my opinion on it is I, I believe that you have to change. I, I'm not talking about just you. I'm talking about American players in general have to change the way they think about their positional play on every shot because you sure. can't you can't cheat pockets on no. that on that table on those tables, and you've got to find the easiest route instead of being able to say I can spin around four rails to get back down table. Maybe you can't. Maybe the easiest shot is being up table and cutting it in with a natural angle to go down the table. And and I know I, I say that and it, it makes sense to me because I've played on those tables. Mm-hmm. And it's but you guys are used to playing a certain way. And that's my only concern with with that game is mm-hmm. you're going against some people and that's all they do. That's all they play. And you've got to adjust your game as straight of a shooter as you might be. You got to adjust your whole game. Sure. Well, the thing is, the one shot that I know that you're going to have to really be looking more for, and that's uh, the two-way shot, where you're playing, you might play for a tough shot, but then again, make sure you're putting your cue ball in a position that makes it very hard for him because now you don't have to snooker a guy for it to be a defense be a, be a defensive shot. You know, now it, you you leave him with certain parts of the table and certain long shots, and it's defensive. He's not going to be able to go for it. So it's uh you know it, it changes the game. Um, I want to learn a little more about it myself uh, before I, before I decide what I want to do, but. You know, I'm kind of looking like uh, I like, I just kind of, the game interests me. It just interests me. And, and, and uh, I may, you know, but I know I'm going to have to be in full form, uh, you know, health-wise and game-wise as far as to go over there and compete. So I want to make sure of that. Money, money's good, too. Yeah, that don't hurt. That, that definitely that don't money, hurt. That money's pretty good over there for that stuff. Yeah. I mean, hundred. Yeah. When, when was the last $100,000? First place you 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 saw. Been a while. I don't remember one. No no time recently. No. Um. So after after the uh, beginning of the year, you kind of open. You've got uh, you know well, you've got the WC Classic or you've got that. Uh, you've got Turner Strong WC Classic or the Chinese Eight Ball. Um. I mean, skipping way ahead is the U.S. Open. Right, okay. it's the fortieth U.S. Open. It's going to be a a big deal. Um, there were some problems, I guess, problems with the payment, but everybody got paid again. Mm-hmm. Although it was late, uh, my personal opinion on it is Barry should tell everybody out and get. This is going to take away all his critics and all his problems. Is if you're in the top ten. You're going to get a post-date check. If you win it, there's a good chance you're going to be on a payment plan. So you know, going into it, that's where you stand. And then you've got the choice to enter or not enter. It should all be paid. I know it should all be paid on the spot. But he's consistently had those problems of not being able to do it. And he he says, the money's there. Oh, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. The money's there. If you just said your payment, you, you're going to get installment payments or a post date check, you have a choice now. 
if you're going to play or you're not going to play. That's right. What, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts on it? I mean, do you, do you have any well, thoughts? You know, it's like anything. We all, you know, we everybody likes it. Everybody can deal with a good surprise, but they can't deal with a bad surprise. So, you know, what you're saying is if he says, okay, guys, here's what what is going to happen. Okay, the top ten will receive, you know, post-dated check. Uh, the top so many, uh, it will be a payment plan. This is ha- and, and actually have it mapped out. But And so the guys that come and play, now all of a sudden, if he does get the money a little early and sends it early, well, that's a great surprise. Okay, but getting there and keep being told that, uh, okay, I'm, I've got the money, it's here, it's right here, it's check the bank account, all this stuff, and then it not be there, that's a bad surprise. Okay, but it's getting to the point where it's not really a surprise. And, you know, it's just, as a player, I know that, that how hard that is, okay, because most of the time, players, they need the money you know, to go to the next event, okay? They need and and they want to and and it getting late in the year. They want to be able to play. They they're you know they want to finish the year off. So, you know, whatever it takes, they they need they want to be able to get to the next event. And his event cost just about his event cost about as about as much as going overseas to go to uh, for an American, uh, and, and which I know it costs a lot for the people to come over here from the other other countries. So uh yes, it's very expensive and you know, it, it's just if he was more upfront and, and not to say that he don't mean to be that way, you know, he he really does feel like it's gonna be there, I believe. I don't believe Barry, you know, is telling everybody this and not believing it. Whether he thinks it, it's a miracle gonna come or whether he really believes that okay, this is what I'm gonna have. Or whatever the case is, I, I, you know, in his defense, I don't believe that uh, he really actually in his heart knows that, okay, well, I'm just lying to these people and I know it's not going to be there. Okay, maybe I'm naive, naive but I, I, I want to think different. But, uh, yes, I agree with you 100%. If he, if he was just more upfront, at least it gives everybody a chance, okay, well, I'll make that decision whether I'm going or not. Well, everybody kind of goes with the thoughts that, they, okay, I, I'm buying it. Everybody, everybody buys it, you know. And, and there's players. I, I'm, I'm just throwing a name out here, Chip Compton, mm-hmm. for an example, who's a great player. Uh, he's on, he's on the cusp of being uh, fabulous, I guess. Uh, you know, a true top tier uh, player. And some will argue with me that he isn't already a top tier player. Sure, but but, but, nobody, but nobody's rich, and if Chip Compton or Joey Gray, they're both buddies. If they say, "Let's go to the U.S. Open," and it's, we're on our last two thousand dollars, and we're going to make it happen, we're going to make it work, mm-hmm. and they somehow get that Cinderella story and win the U.S. Open, they come away empty-handed. That that's something that really irks me. Is it's fine? Barry's got his money, and he's showing the money. But these guys now just won money from you, and they and what happened? Where were you? Right. 
you know. Yeah, it's devastating. Uh, if you if you ask Jabari, I'll let me give you a post date check for my entropy. He'd tell you no. You know, and this then the less of their money, and they get in the money based on their competence and ability, and then they get told, well, no, there's no money for you today, but in two weeks the will. Well, shit, what am I going to do? I've got to pay my light bill. You know? Right, right. That's the part that, ir- that irks me, and I'm not even a, a, a player, so to speak. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Uh, you know, I've been, you know, I haven't missed the U.S. Open since the very first one I played in. Okay, I played in, I think, uh, I think it was 80, 88, maybe? 87, 88? I can't look, I can't remember, but, and I have not missed one. Um, I've played in every one since then. And, you know, yes, I, you know, I'm like anything. I won't, uh, you know, I got a light bill. I have, you know, family to feed and, you know, all the same old story for everybody. So, yes, I need the money just like anybody else does. And, you know, and I'm one of the lucky ones. You know, I'm very fortunate, you know, to have the great sponsors and everything that I have. Um, so, yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones. I can just imagine being, being, you know, where you really just don't have anything to look forward to, you know, except that money he has. What, what year did you win the U.S. Open? Uh, excuse me again? What year did you win the U.S. Open? I won the U.S. Open in '99. Is that the time? Is that the year when, like, hardly anybody showed up? Probably, yeah. I think that me and a couple other guys, and I brought them to. <laughs> and then you got all your money then, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I was, I was put on a payment plan myself. Oh, really? You know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I thought that just started happening just over the last, since, well, since 2000, since um, uh, 9-11. No, no. Okay. It's happened, you know, it's happened before. Okay. All right, well, you know what, I'm, I I think I'm done. I've got all the information from you that I wanted. Uh, is there anybody you'd like to uh, thank, say hello to while we're here? Well, you know, I'm always any kind of opportunity that I can take say thank you to, to you know, definitely uh, my sponsors and for still sticking by me and and uh, all the many years they have and you know giving me the opportunity. You know, they're great champion uh, championship bigger fabric. You know, Q Six Scorpion Q's Universe Clothing and of course my pool room Marietta Billiard Club and uh, definitely my family. They're they're great. So uh, yeah, you know. Um, everybody have a great holiday. Don't eat too much. Don't drink too much. But if you do, make sure you stay home. Thank you. All right, buddy. Well, Merry Christmas, and uh, thank you very much for taking the time and giving us your input. And who knows? Have a knockout year next year, and uh, maybe we'll see you back on that Moscone Cup. That's the plan. I'm going to uh, give it 100%. And, and uh, you know, I def- one thing I do know, uh, I did miss it, and I hated sitting there watching it, and not being a part of it. Uh, but I and and I just miss wearing the stripes, and uh, I want to wear them again. And before I get too old, where I'm in a wheelchair and can't, and can't get around. So anyway, uh, yes, I'm gonna try it all. Do what I can to to get back on. All right, buddy, you take it easy. Thanks again, and I will speak to you real soon. Thanks, Marky. Okay, buddy. Bye bye. Well, that's it. 
for this edition of the Legends and Champions Report. I am Mark Cantrell, brought to you by Neil's Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was nice to get the perspective of a, obviously, probably the most experienced Moscone Cup team member. Uh, yeah, it has to be the most experienced Moscone Cup team member for the American team, at least. And uh, get his thoughts on it. Again, you know, he had every reason. I'm not trying to uh, be his uh, PR guy. Every reason to be irked and pissed off about uh, not being on the team, but he's never stopped uh, supporting the team and doing whatever he can to help. So, um, to everybody out there, uh, I think we're up to somewhere around 3,000 listeners a week. It's, uh, it's quite a feat, one way or another, whether it be through iTunes or um, you know, the the website, there's all kinds of ways I guess you can listen to this show. But we appreciate it and Merry Christmas, honey, happy Hanukkah, happy holidays, whichever one that you, you do around this time of year. Um hope you all have a very safe and happy Christmas and holiday. Until next time, this is Mark Cantrell, Legends Champions Report. Take care. Oh, I started out believing the universe was space That all the solid objects were founded in full grace I started out believing That earthworms could not crawl That music plays A donkey brays Dogs have days Horse has nays And everyone has a ball But it's duct-tape Constantly moving, ever oozing, sticky stream.